Well, good day, Fellowship family. It's good to sport the ShareFest shirt. Thanks for uh, wearing it as we celebrate over 1,600 people serving at ShareFest, representing 30 different churches in 20 different locations. It was certainly a wonderful day, and uh, we thank, thank the Lord for being a part of that. You know, I absolutely love being together and worship with, worshiping with you. That last song, I mean, just welled up such great passion and emotion in me. And I love to meet new people. I love to see what God is doing in the lives of people. I love to preach the word of God. But you know, when we join together, it can't just be about us. It's got to be about something greater than us. It's got to be about not just Jesus, but it's got to be about Jesus in the lives of people. People in this room and people far beyond this room. And from time to time, we pause and we have a weekend like this that gives us a vision of God's word. It gives us a vision of our world and it gives us a vision for our own lives to be a part of it. And it gives us a challenge then to move beyond this room into a world to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a passage I want to challenge you with, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. Hopefully you brought your Bibles, but if you didn't bring a Bible, we have them in those back wooden tables. Uh, Feel free to get up right now and grab one just so that you can follow along. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, keep it. It's our gift to you. But if you do have a Bible, leave it so we can give it to someone else. Paul is going to call us into three reasons why we must live beyond ourselves. And I think that's an important concept for us as a follower of Jesus, because Jesus definitely led us here this morning, but Jesus is going to lead us outside and he's going to scatter us. And if I could have put a little homing beacon, which I won't do, if I could put a little homing beacon on each one of you and watched, and I had a map of Topeka, And we could track everyone who visited this week, who worshiped with us this weekend. What we would see is we would see literally the people of God departing and going into their neighborhoods. And you would see an incredible possibility. The possibility that if we actually believed who Jesus was, and we actually followed Jesus in our lives and lived the gospel, and we gave the gospel to others, the possibility could be a reality. We really could reach Topeka. There's enough people who come here each weekend that if we lived the gospel and gave the gospel, Topeka would hear the gospel. We would have trust them with God on what he wants to do there and how he would lead in their lives, but at least we could share the gospel with them. And that's a command. Paul calls us this for three reasons. Let's take a look at them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 14, he says this, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Let's take a look at this. Because what he's saying as he leads us beyond ourselves is he says that we go beyond ourselves because of the greatest need. Because of the greatest need. The need of the world is to be reconciled to God. And reconciliation literally means to be made right again with God. 
We have sinned. We've walked away. We want life on our own terms, doing what we want to do. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do. We're at odds with God. What Jesus came to do is he came to live perfectly for us, to die on a cross for our sins, and to rise on the third day. Our greatest need is to be loved, forgiven, and reconciled with God. And so that's what we do as followers of Jesus. Once our own lives have been loved by God and have are following God, is that we then be a part of this reconciliation. Now who? Who do we take this gospel to? Look back at that passage. He said, one has died for all. Small word, but a lot of people in that word, right? So what is all? Who is all when we think about this? Well, just think about the neighborhood you live in. Typical neighborhood, unless you live in Auburn, God's country, uh, unless you live in Auburn, there's a probably about 250 homes within walking distance of your home. And if you walk around those 250 homes, what's happening in those homes? Where are people? Where are they? Are they reconciled to God or are they at odds with him? That's a good question to ask as you walk around or drive around your neighborhood. But is your neighborhood all there is to Topeka? And the answer is no, because there's 80,000 homes in Shawnee County, and you just happen to be around 250 of them. But those 80,000 homes representing roughly 180,000 people, is that all there is to the United States? No, because even as you move beyond Topeka, beyond Kansas, into our country, there's 326 million people and counting in the United States of America. 326 million people. Is Topeka all there is? No. Because we are less than one half of one half of one percent of our national population. We're a very small part of it. It's not all that that are. And so is the United States all there is? And the answer to that is absolutely not because there's 7.5 billion people in the world today and counting. Okay, you're looking at me, at me like deer in the headlights because it's Sunday morning and you weren't ready for 7.5 billion to be given to you. But think about that. If, if the United States is 326 million of the 7.5 billion, we're only, we're less than 5% of the world's population. How many of us live like we're the only country in the world? Now, we're a blessed country, and it's a blessing to live in this country. We're not a perfect country, but as I've traveled around the world, we're an incredible opportunity to live in this country, but that's not all there is. He died for all. 7.5 billion people. We've got to be about the world. We can't just be about our neighborhoods or our lives, our own homes. We've got to be about beyond ourselves because the greatest need is that all, all would hear the gospel, would trust in the work of Jesus. This is not just for a few. The love of God stretches all around the world. The forgiveness of God has stretched all around this world and has made, been made possible because Christ died for all. And therefore, yeah, Paul says, because, because we, we live in Christ, we no longer live for ourselves. So this can't just be about us. My life is not just about the next gadget, the next experience, the next moment of pleasure. It, it can't be about that. It has to be about more. It has to be about the heart of God. And that's why Paul says, the love of Christ controls us. Because when we love Jesus... 
He will control where we go. And he will lead us to places beyond us because it's the greatest need. But it's not just the greatest need. Take a look again at verse 16 of this passage. He says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I think about this passage and ultimately what it reveals to us is now that the greatest need of your life has been met by Christ, God is calling us into the highest purpose for your life. The highest purpose of your life is that you could be a part of God reconciling the world to himself. That God who once saved us now calls us and entrusts to us a ministry. Everyone in this room who knows Jesus, if you know Jesus, you're a minister. Now, you may not get paid for it, but everyone in here who who is a Christ follower is a minister. And it's a minister. You take that and you represent Christ and you reconcile the world. Uh, The world that's at odds and enemies with God, you're calling them back to be reconciled. It's your highest purpose for your life. So here's a question. Are you sharing? Are you sharing the gospel with people around you? Are you sharing the gospel so that the gospel can move beyond you? Sadly, sadly, followers of Jesus struggle to share the gospel. Most church people in the United States are not sharing the gospel on a regular basis. I'm not here to give you guilt and shame, but the reality is, is very few of us talk about Jesus in in an authentic way, sharing the gospel with others. We have baptism here, and baptism is a public display of someone sharing the gospel and then being baptized to show that the work of Christ in their lives. And I think it's a fascinating picture of it. Last night, we had a 10-year-old boy who came up here, and he had autism. And he was nervous, and he looked, and he read his testimony. He said, my favorite verse is Jesus wept. And I thought, what in the world? I've never heard a baptism testimony with Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. He said, and I chose this because it shows me that Jesus cares about me. And he cares about my autism. And and the story behind that story is that little boy had been praying for his neighbor boyfriend. Who, who he played with in, in the neighborhood and, and, uh, lives right next door. And he prayed every night that this friend of his would come to Christ. And just recently, his friend came to Christ. Just shows you, God uses everyone who's willing to be available. No matter what the struggle, you just saw the power of God pouring through a 10 year old last night. Because the highest purpose of our lives is to reconcile this world back to God. And it's not just the highest, the greatest need and the highest purpose. It's also to take a look at this in verse 20 and 21. He said, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then look at this, verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is this showing us? This is ultimately showing us the greatest, incredible, the incredible possibility that we could be a part of, of seeing people become reconciled to God. I want to give you another number, and that's $20 trillion. That's our national debt. That kind of is staggering to my mind. $20 trillion. That's our national debt, and it keeps going up. There's actually a website that just shows you the numbers, just the dollars going like crazy of our national debt. And I go, wow, how in the world are we going to get out of this? Do you know there's a greater debt than $20 trillion? It's the debt we owe to God for our sin. And it is staggering. Psalm 130 says, if someone, we were to count the number of our sins, who would stand? Who would stand? That's the great question. None of us would. And that's why we all must be reconciled. And, and here's the reality. The work of Jesus was enough. It satisfied the debt. The wealth of God's righteousness pours into our lives so that, and it's because this perfect one named Jesus became sin for us, who was perfect. He knew no sin. So that when we trust in him, we might become the righteousness of God. We can be made right with God. And and can I just say this? We live in a time of an incredible possibility. That if everyone who professed Jesus, if they lived Christ and gave Christ to the people around them, we could reach the ends of the earth. We literally could in our generation. In this generation, we could do it. If if we just became that ambassador that we're called. That's right. If we lived our identity in Christ and we're not only reconciled to God, but then called people into that reconciliation, this world would hear the gospel. Everyone would hear the gospel. I want to be a part of an incredible possibility like that. I really believe we live in a strategic moment. And I want to be a person who so lives the gospel courageously in my life that I can pass it on to my children and they will take it to the end of the earth. Because we live with that possibility. We live with that possibility right now, more than ever. And God is patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so as God is patient with us, we are part of a great ministry beyond us. I want to give you just some three words that I think can guide us as we think about engaging the beyond. Because Jesus died for all, we're to be about all. All people matter to God. And so therefore, as I think about it, number one, we as a church need to be awake. We need to live awake to the reality of who God is, what he's doing, and what we're called to. That our highest purpose is to advance the gospel in the lives of people. Now think about how you come awake. Think about, I remember when I would sleep in or sleep late. My mom would usually come in the room and go, Joe, you're late. You're going to be late for school. Hurry. And I wake up and I get ready. And then I drive down, drive down the road and I forget my books. I forgot everything like that because I'm living in this crisis mode. And some of us do that. And we get down the road. And we, lo- we, we forgot our phones and our phones are our lives. <laughs> and we feel so stranded when we can't make that call. What do I do? I don't see a pay phone. I don't know. 
what to do. We've got to live awake. But here's the deal. I found that if we go, you guys, get up, wake up. The world is, is without Christ. Go get out of here and do that. I found that, that that can get a reaction, but it's rarely sustainable, rarely sustainable. And I'm always shouting. I'm always shouting. And none of you want a shouting pastor. But then, now I'm the youngest of four. And so my mom kind of cherished every moment with her last child. And so she would come in, even into high school, and she'd go, good morning. It's going to be a beautiful day outside. She'd open it. It's kind of creepy now that I'm talking about it. And she would tell me the weather and she would have breakfast for me. So, so sometimes churches don't want to talk about the imminency of this. We're just so kind and we're, hello everyone. So I think godliness is somewhere right in between those two. Folks, we got to wake up. Got to wake up. Because our God, who meets the greatest need, that the work of Jesus was sufficient. It's sufficient. It's enough for all. And it's applied to whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. So church, wake up. Let's be a church that does something, that lives in the power and the glory of the gospel in our lifetimes. Let's do something so we look back on and we see God at work. We see God's power working through us. Let's live awake. Let's not sleep as this world is lulled to sleep by the next little gadget, by the next little moment, far too easily pleased and not fulfilled with the wonder and glory of Jesus Christ. Let's live awake. Let's wake up, okay? And then secondly, we've got to live aware. And um, when you're awake... It's easy to be distracted, isn't it? We live in a very distracted world right now. Uh, you, you know, we kind of laugh at that whole zombie phase that we go through in, in Hollywood or in entertainment. And that whole zombie picture of people walking around like this and then, you know, they're coming at, after you. But you know what the zombie phase is right now? It's us with our smartphones like this walking around. And some of us are even driving around like this. I got a kick out of it. Someone said, I want to invite, I want to invent an app that tells people when the light changes. <laughs> Have you been around behind that person? We are distracted. We are distracted. And we're distracted by good things sometimes, like our kids, and like uh, the next thing for our kids to be involved in, or the next experience for you to have, or the next gadget for you to buy. We're These are all good things, but they're not the greatest things. And so we've got to live aware of the greatest things that are happening in the world today. I love to talk about some of the greatest things that are happening around here. I love my life to count for the greatest things of God that are happening. And I think you do too. I don't think you would have woken up on a Sunday morning and gone to church if you didn't want to be a part of the greatness of God it's not about entertainment. This is about engagement, engaging a God. And so what are you doing to become aware of what God is doing, who you are, and where you fit into his plan? That is worth it to take the time to really consider, God, really, what are you doing? I, 
Life is usually about what I want to do and that we pray to our genie in, in heaven that he would make that happen. But really, we've got to turn that mindset around from a selfish standpoint to a godly standpoint that says, God, what are you doing and how can I be involved in that? Be aware of what God is doing. He is working. He is moving. Do you know most people who are coming to Christ right now are coming to Christ in Africa? Do you know that you may look at China as resistant to the gospel, but actually the gospel is multiplying in China right now? We hear stories all the time. Do you realize that the gospel is advancing in this church, in this city? And we live on a cusp of an opportunity of a major awakening to Jesus Christ. We live in this time. And so let's live courageous. Let's live aware. And then finally is this word available. I've been in ministry now. This is my 28th year as a pastor. And uh, as, I, as I look at this word of availability, I really, that's really sums up what an effective follower of Jesus is. They're available. You kind of look at it and go, boy, uh, here's my five-year plan, Joe. I expect to do this and rule the world or whatever your plan is. But God kind of laughs at that. I think God operates more in, I've, I've got the plan, and I'll use you. Just make yourself available. Because I've seen people hide behind wealth or poverty, intelligence or the lack thereof, of giftedness or challenged. I've, I've seen people hide behind those things to not be available for God. Don't let those things rob you of the opportunity of a God who says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't rob yourself due to a limitation or a pride issue of being a part of someone you can boast in who will never let you down, who is working greater, far greater, for glory greater than you could ever muster in yourself. Be available. Be available. Be available with your time. And that's huge. Sometimes that's more costly than money. To be available with your time. It's more of a threat to you to be caught by, with time. Like, cause hurry. We are hurried people. We're chasing our kids. We're chasing the next opportunity. We're chasing the next advancement. We're chasing the next, you know, rung on the ladder. Whatever we're doing, we're, we're not available with our time. And hurry is the enemy of a relationship with God, with his word, and with others. We've got to be available with our energy. Why? Because we're exhausted. Our kids are exhausting. Uh, Our jobs are exhausting. Our homes are exhausting. And we just want rest. And we just want to kick them off and relax. And we ignore, in some good things, we ignore the great things and how we can be available with the gifts and abilities God has given us. We need to be available with our finances. And if we're living on all of it, or we're living on more than all of it, we can't be available to God with it. And he is going to use it for things greater than anything we could buy for ourselves. I'm convinced of that. So I have no problem calling you into that, because I've experienced God work through that. And I would, I would hate to rob you of that opportunity. We've got to be available. So what I want to do is I want to share with you five areas for engagement that if you were awake to, aware of, 
and available to, I think God could do some incredible things, not only in this city, but around the world. Let me talk to you about the first one of engagement. And it starts with you. It's a personal area of engagement, and it has to do with this. It's called you and two. When we built this church and the building next door to this church, uh, we, we uh, poured cement on a Saturday morning, and we had a whole bunch of people come in and write in wet cement the names of two people in their lives who were far from God. They were people in their family. They were people in your workplace. They were people in your neighborhood. And you loved them. And they didn't know Jesus. And they weren't walking with Jesus. And so you wanted to pray for them. And you wanted to pray for an opportunity where God could really reach out and and use you to be a part of it. And so we wrote those names. It would be amazing for you to see how many people are here because someone started praying for them. Last night, I met, um, well, we baptized an 87-year-old woman here. And she had some health, health issues, so we couldn't dunk her. I just poured a glass of water over her head in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It works. It works that way too, okay? Just in case you're Baptist, <laughs> it can. So, um, so her, her daughter, who's also a grandmother, brought her grandson with her. And uh, I met her grandson and she said, see him? His name's on the church next door. He's one of my two. So I just have one more to go. <laughs> And the reality is, it's amazing. When we make ourselves available to God and people, how he works, you can do that. You can share the gospel with people in your life all the time. Oh, but you, I don't know how to. And they may ask a question. Well, I'll tell you what. First level engagement is a class, a workshop we developed called Bless Your Neighbor. And it looks at that word bless, and it's an acronym, where it begins with prayer, listens, enjoy time eating with them, uh, serving them. And sharing the gospel with them. And on June 4th at 9 a.m., that's a Sunday, two weeks from today, June 4th, we're going to have that workshop. I hope if you want to know how to confidently share the gospel in an authentic way, not where you're trying to be a salesman, but, but authentically share the gospel, go to that Bless Your Neighbor class. Secondly, there's also an opportunity every month called Love Topeka. That's where we take the love of Jesus beyond us into this community. It happens on the second weekend of every month, but you sign up for it on the first weekend of every month throughout the year. You can sign up in the atrium. We have over 100 people who do this each month. It's the by far the easiest way to engage people beyond Fellowship Bible Church. And I would encourage you to do this. We have people serving in um, Love Topeka who have not yet met Jesus. They've not yet trusted in Jesus. And when we talk to them, we go, so you don't believe in Jesus yet, but you're serving with us in the name of Jesus. How does that work? You go, well, I'm just trying to figure out if this is real. I really want to know. Are these people for real? Is this message really real? Yeah, people want to belong before they believe. And you know what? That's okay with this because we do it in the name of Jesus. And usually what we find is they find out it is real and they do trust in him. And so this is another area you can do that every month. You can sign up for Love Topeka. Here's a group. They serve in over eight locations. Our goal this year is we'd like to have 200 instead of 100. 
like to see 200 people serve on a, on a monthly basis out in our community. And then there's the Highcrest community. Highcrest community is one of the greatest under-resourced uh, neighborhoods in our community. And uh, we've been involved there for several years. Actually, one person from fellowship started walking through that neighborhood and praying for it. And they saw and had got into relationships with people in that neighborhood. And they said, we've got to be, be involved in there. And so that's how we got involved there. One of you walked through their neighborhood. And uh, through the process, we, we uh, the 501 schools came to us and said, we'd like to rent you part of this building. Uh, and you can, you can use it for ministry here. Because they were shutting down the former Avondale East School. And so we, we rented, and we have been for the past several year, years, renting 10,000 square feet of that school. And we've been partnering with the Topeka Rescue Mission, with the NetReach group there. We've been having uh, partnering with Young Life, with their uh, Highland Park ministry there, and their offices there. We've been partnering with Doxazo Camps, as they've been there also. We'll have a whole summer Dare to Dream program going the, throughout this summer. And here's what we've realized that Jesus cares about those people. Jesus cares about reaching people all around us. And uh, over the past several months, our elders have been praying because people have been coming to us saying, we think fellowship needs to plant a church in this community. And so we've been listening. We've been praying. And we've decided that in the new year, we're planting a church in that community. Now, typically when you plant a church, you do a a plan, a five-year plan, and it says this, have some of your people go in there, reach some of their people, have them support the church, pull out, let the church go. But this doesn't make sense in this community. We don't expect this community to fully sustain a church. However, it it doesn't look logical on paper, but guess who made paper? Yeah, a God who is working out his plan. And it would be easy to be just distracted about what's happening within the walls of fellowship. But we're excited that God is moving us outside the walls. And we look forward in the new year to planting a church there. Some of you might feel God leading you to be a part of that. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of resources to, be, to make that happen. And God might just be calling you into that. But you know, it's not just in Topeka. It's also around the world. And we have transformational trips that we call people into. Over the course of these past seven years, we've had uh, 15 trips go. And we've either, either done them with Trash Mountain Project, where we've served in, in uh, trash communities around the world, or with Living Water, as represented here. Living Water International actually goes to places, and they dig wells for fresh water. Uh, they go to places where people literally take buckets and they walk to a river, they put water in there, and they use that water for everything in their ho- homes. And it's usually contaminated, so their kids are always sick. So if you could go in one week in a mission trip, and you can dig a freshwater well, and you can put a pump on it and cap it so that it's not contaminated anymore, and if you can pump out fresh water and give it to them, you're serving them. And if you can teach them in that week some different hygiene issues that they had never been taught, and then you put the well right next to a church, that church can give fresh water and talk about the living water of Jesus. 
you set them up for success. And we've had over 125 people go on these trips. We're doing two more, one in November, one in February, both to El Salvador. And I hope that if you, uh, like, I would stink at doing this because I'm not good at construction. That's why I'm preaching. But many of you can do stuff like that. And that can be a way to, for you to engage what God is doing beyond us. And then there's another group. And these are called unreached people's groups. And they're all around the world. And they're in places that most of the time are very difficult to reach. That image is actually behind the drums and the cross there because it's a very difficult place to go to, represented by that. But here's a church we built in one of those locations. Brett Durbin with Trash Mountain Project traveled to this area, and this community literally didn't know his God. What's your God? And he said, I need to stay, and we need to do ministry here to show him who God is. And so as part of the 10% of the resources raised for the building of this church, this new expansion here, We took that 10% and we're going to be building churches outside of fellowship. We're going to bless other churches because we want to provide building space, not just for us, but our goal is to uh, provide building space for double the number that we can do in here. And so we built this church in the Philippines. And right now, most of that community worships in that church and they worship Jesus. We've also connected with Pastor Augustine Asir, who, if you were here at the beginning of the service, prayed. He's the guy who oversees 230 uh, pastors in India. I traveled there, and literally these pastors put their lives on the line in a Hindu country to share Jesus. We built two churches already, and we're going to be, in the next 12 months in our new budget year, going to be funding four more churches in those areas. Hard to reach areas that need the gospel. But we also have other people here. And you're going to see them as Jeremy comes up in just a little bit. These are people who are willing to go. They're willing to go to people, unreached people. And to be a part of what God has for us beyond. Not all of us can go. Not all of us are called to go. But some who are, we want to support in prayer and encouragement in resources, financial resources to go. So here's what I want you to do. You, hopefully, hopefully, everyone is awake, right? We're awake to what God is doing. We're aware now. You're more aware than you first came in of what God is doing. I want you to think about what does it look like for you to be available? Because when you're available, I just see God taking over. With you're available for that next minute, with that next dollar, with that next yes to God, he tends to deepen faith by that. As I've trusted God in one area, he tends to build greater faith to trust him with other areas. That's how it begins. Ministry beyond us. The gospel in the lives of people. Jesus, who died for all. Lord of all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for committing to us a ministry of reconciliation, making people right with you through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, move in your people. May you find no resistance in my heart or anyone else's heart here so that we might be available to you for whatever you would have beyond us. It's in the name of Jesus and for his glory that we pray. Amen.